Hi, I'm Emma, and I'm still waiting for my congratulations, you didn't marry the wrong guy card. And I'm Shannon, and I'm just the question mark in single and fabulous question mark. (laughs) (laughs) No exclamation point, just the question mark. (laughs) Just the question mark. And welcome back to We're Sorry We Can't, Don't Hate Us. I'm sorry I can't, don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know. That's bullshit, Gary! No! All right, Shannon, what is your dream you celebration complete with gift registry? I would have to say, I, I don't, I, nothing comes to mind that I think of like, I need a celebration for this. Um, but I will say that I've always dreamed of having a surprise party um, for like a birthday, whatever, whatever the occasion might be. I've just always wanted, I've always dreamed of having a surprise party. And I actually remember in high school, there was Um, somebody who had their birthday like a couple days before mine and my birthday is right around Christmas it's like the week before um so this everybody planned the surprise party for her for like Christmas break right after right after that happened in early January and I just remember the whole time being like oh like this could have oh like this could be for me too or I was just very um I was very happy to celebrate her, but I was also very jealous. I was like, oh, I just, there's something about a surprise party and putting in all that effort um, to to surprise someone and make them feel like special and celebrated that um, really appeals to me, as well as not having to do any of the work of planning a party yourself. That is also very appealing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. And especially with a birthday that's so close to Christmas that already gets overshadowed a little bit. I can see why you might want, well, now I know what to do this year. (laughs) Not that I'm giving anything away, but, um, that's so cute. I love that. What about you, Emma? What is your your dream you celebration? <laughs> okay, I had to think about this question a lot because I think I was kind of in the same boat where I was like, oh, I don't know if I have like a specific thing. Um, but then I remembered that last year, and I have really been dropping the ball on it this year, but last year before I turned 30 in June, I created a list, a 30 before 30, of 30 things that I wanted to accomplish before I was 30. Of course, I only made it about halfway through that list. And they were, some of them were super silly. Like one of them was like, throw a drink in someone's face, which was actually inspired by Samantha and her scene with Richard when she says, dirty martini, dirty bastard. (laughs) And I like saw that scene when I was a teenager and I was like, I need to throw a drink in somebody's face. Fortunately for me, I've never been in a situation that warranted throwing a drink in their face, Um, but I did have a friend volunteer and step up and allow me to throw a drink in his face. So it was very satisfying. But anyways, I accomplished about 15 of those um, so that I just basically what I did is I turned it into a 31 before 31. So I added one more 
Um, it is now January and I still haven't accomplished a single other one, but you know, there's still time. I still have five months. So what I want, this is, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. What I want is a 31st birthday party well, where we celebrate all my little accomplishments and I register for 31 gifts, <laughs> which is an, an incredible amount of gifts. Like that's too many gifts that one should get on their birthday, but I could make them really small, just like the achievements themselves. Well, I have to ask, what are you going to do at 60? <laughs> I might not have to, I might not RSVP to that one. <laughs> Maybe oh too gosh. expensive. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I even make it to 61 with all these uh, 61 achievements, but I would, I would love that. Maybe I should just do this every year. I will turn my birthday into like a huge event that people have to prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> They have to save up money for just like the bridesmaids dress or the or whatever else people buy for the baby shower gifts. Like they're going to have to start thinking about it in January for that party coming up in June. <laughs> I don't even think I have 31 friends. So, <laughs> so Jamie's going to have to pick up some slack. <laughs> well, what did Curry get um, Kira in that episode? The Bimini playset that's coming your way at some point <laughs> keep you entertained <laughs> oh my gosh but that's a, I love that idea though that's so that's so smart and then you celebrate like all of these things that that you set out to do and that are important and special to you I think that's a really great idea yeah like throwing a drink in someone's face <laughs> so I mean like you said dirty martini dirty bastard everybody deserves to have that moment whether yeah. it's real or, or not real. <laughs> whether it's real or staged, I highly recommend throwing a drink in someone's face. And weirdly enough, I had posted on Instagram and a ton of people messaged me and they were like, you can throw a drink in my face. <laughs> I was just, I was truly astounded by the number of people that responded to that in a really positive way. And I was like, okay. I had to like literally pick somebody out of the many volunteers. So that was wonderful that people really came through for my my goal well maybe that can just be 31 31 friends volunteering to get 31 drinks thrown in their <laughs> face you know oh my god a show of true friendship <laughs> that would be a memorable and messy party i love it <laughs> um but yeah why are we talking about things that we want to celebrate um, so today we're talking about a woman's right to shoes, um, which I feel like every Sex in the City fan knows exactly this moment. Like this episode is iconic. Um, we're going to talk about a few other episodes as well, um, but we are kind of bringing up the moments throughout the series where the friends are blatantly or subtly shamed for their lifestyle choices, namely for being single, unmarried, or unpartnered, and or not having children. Um, I think that the world has made a lot of progress since this episode aired almost 19 years ago. I had to Google this in 2003. Um, but I do think that these uh, narrow expectations are still kind of touted as the primary milestones that one achieves in their life, especially among our age group especially amongst millennials and, you know, people kind of encroaching into their 30s, just like the women were in the series. 
Um, so just a quick recap of these episodes. So season six, episode nine is a woman's right to shoes, of course. Uh, this is the episode where Carrie has her shoes stolen at a baby shower and her friend just kind of completely shames her for her lifestyle choices. Um, the friends have lots of good conversations about Carrie's right to shoes. Miranda is especially adamant that she should demand them back and they are rightfully hers. Um, just some other notes from this episode, Miranda, that's when she meets hot Robert. So hot. We love Robert. Dr. Robert uh, Leeds. Yes. Dr. Robert <laughs> Leeds. Oh my gosh. I often like, even with his sort of abhorrent behavior after they broke up, I feel like they're like, I was kind of always rooting for him. But anyways, we could do a whole other episode about Robert. We need to talk about Rob, Dr. Robert Leeds. <laughs> um, some other things in this episode that Samantha, kind of on the same subject, she has to face coexisting with children in the city. Um, and Charlotte learns about teabagging. <laughs> and so did I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just love that moment of Harry walking around completely nude in the apartments. Just so it's very heartwarming. <laughs> it really is. I love them. They're so cute. Um, but a couple other episodes I wanted to bring up today, just kind of on in that vein, is season two, episode five. We have four women and a funeral, which is when Miranda buys her first apartment, only to be shamed by both the realtor and her lawyer. And she has to check the dreaded single woman box. Um, as well, in that episode, the friends attend the funeral of well-known designer Javier, and Charlotte ends up dating. This is one of, the, one of the weirdest scenes in the whole series when she ends up dating the man with the dead wife. And then at the end of the episode, all those other women show up. I'm still so confused by that. Like, was he auditioning for his next wife? Was this a big <laughs> love situation? Was he just a scam artist? Like, I don't know. I just, I really don't believe that the, the dead wife was real. I don't think she was either. And I think I didn't realize that until we watched that recently. I was like, no, she couldn't have existed. No, like the way that she just falls out of his wallet, like he's just, he's so casually like opens his wallet and her picture <laughs> is just there. Like the camera pans over when Charlotte and him are having sex and like she's, you know, framed like the Virgin Mary on the table next to to the bed. Like, mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust that guy. I don't it's trust Elizabeth. Was no, real. no, me neither. Um, one other thing that happens in that episode is <laughs> that was so forgettable, but I unfortunately had to remember it when we rewatched was when Carrie and Big's relationship is revived. She's like, I have to think of the least sexy date idea. And she thinks of bowling, which I kind of like, I kind of feel like bowling is a good date. I don't think it's like the, the, most platonic thing you could think of. <laughs> so my theory, thinking about this and thinking about a woman's right to shoes, I think for Carrie, that's the least sexy date because the shoes are not sexy and she's all about the shoes. <laughs> I think you're onto something there. That totally makes sense. I think she even says something about the shoes. She, I mean, she could not not like, She's a shoe gal. Shoe gal. What was what was her MSN handle or AOL handle? Shoe gal <laughs> ninety eight or something. 
Amazing. Iconic. Um, okay. One more episode I just had to throw in here for today was season two, episode four, they shoot single people, don't they? And <laughs> when a hangover becomes Carrie's nightmare magazine cover, single and fabulous question mark, <laughs> which I think is so, this episode is so funny, like, cause it completely changes Anyways, so the friends discuss that fear of being alone. So they're having brunch and they sort of have this moment where they're like, I'm okay with my life, but each and every one of them is sort of questioning themselves. Um, and that leads them to pursue relationships that they wouldn't have otherwise. Like Miranda rekindles that romance with Josh, but continues to fake orgasms. Charlotte sleeps with her handyman and tries to force a sort of emotional connection with him. Samantha is stood up by that club owner that she finally said yes to a date with and Carrie meets single smoker, Jake or Bradley Cooper, as I did not remember at all. Bradley Cooper is in this episode. Um, he's sort of like the wild smoker party boy and Carrie meets him as well, but all kind of relationships that they're like, I am afraid to be alone, quote unquote. Um, so they pursue them. I mean, after watching the the new se- the new series and just like that, all I can think of with Miranda's storyline with Josh is someone get Che Diaz on the phone. Like, <laughs> get that finger in here! <laughs> oh my gosh, we need it. We need them. <laughs> So why are we talking about this today? I do consider myself incredibly fortunate. I've never really had parents, like my parents, I've had parents. They just don't give a shit about what I do. They really don't care as long as I'm happy. Um, But despite that, I've still faced external and internal pressures to sort of follow this linear life path. Like growing up, friends always envisioned or saw themselves married with a certain number of children in a house. Um, But I have never really been able to have that picture in my mind. I've never really seen that in my future. And I still don't. And I don't know if I ever will. (laughs) I've sort of had these like, and we've talked about the show and the characters as being sort of aspirational in a way. Um, And I still have these like vague visions of just like living in a tiny apartment in Montreal or Berlin and like ordering takeout, like a very mundane, but like realistic expectation of what my life could look like. There was never a specific person there. There was never owning property there. There were never children there. (laughs) And even since my teens, I've sort of had this weird premonition that I would get divorced which seems messy and expensive. So in my opinion, the best way to avoid that is to just not get married. Um, Total side note, I blame my love of Princess Diaries for that. I thought the relationship between Mia and her mom was just so cool. And that's what I wanted for a kid, (laughs) a teenage daughter who was cool. Her mom was so cool. And also living in a converted fire hall in San Francisco, like... And then you're a princess. Yes, there's there's a lot to be envious of there. <laughs> Realistic expectations I had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, like even now, like I, I love my friends to death, of course, and we relate on so many levels, but I still have a really hard time sort of like hopping in the conversation or being engaged in the conversation when it comes to like marriage or having children or buying houses. I just, I've never really seen that as a milestone in my life. That was a priority. And, (laughs) and, you know, as you kind of get into your thirties, I've been to a few weddings now. I've, I've been to some showers now and all those things. And I, I don't see that ever happening for me. How do you feel about that, Shannon? I mean, that's super fair. And honestly, I I really connect to what you're saying about not having that picture in your head. And I I very distinctly remember being in elementary school and my friends at the time, we were sitting at the computer pods and we were like on Mavis Beacon, like practicing or typing or something like that. Um, But my my friends at the time, they were talking about like, by this age, I want to be married. I want to have a house and I want this number of children and these will be their genders, these will be their names, and they'll be like this number of of years apart in age. And they would ask me, like, what do, what do you think? Like, what do you want? And I was like, well, I don't know. That's that's future me's problem. <laughs> like, I I thought it was just kind of silly, I guess, to to have that like really solid vision of of the future like that. And I just I wasn't sure if those were things that I wanted and I actually grew up with um so my my mom is a twin and my aunt is basically like my second mom and she's been single for as long as I've I've known her and she just like is so fucking cool. <laughs> um I always just wanted to like be like auntie, you know, and she yeah, she was just like such a strong role model for someone who was single like throughout their their life. And she's had like a very full life, continues to do so. Um, so I think that that also kind of helped influenced like my lack of assigning so much importance to this future vision of myself and whether I was single or married or like living in a big house or, you know, fucking off to New York City and like living my sex in the city fantasy. <laughs> um, I didn't, yeah, I just, I didn't have that, that vision either. And honestly, I, I, I thought it was really cool that my aunt was single and I was like, Oh, I just want to be like her. That also your aunt does sound very cool by the way. And it does remind me my friend, we were celebrating, had a little celebration last night for her birthday. And she was talking about her aunt or maybe great aunt who was 80 years old and was engaged. Um, so, and she had been single for a very long time, like living alone for super independently for a really long time, 80 years old. She was engaged to a man who was 83 and actually ended up calling off the engagement. Cause she's like, you know what? I've lived alone too long and I don't want somebody in my house. <laughs> and we were like, iconic, iconic. Like, <laughs> She, she knows what she wants and she can take care of herself. And like, we, like we stand, I love that so much. <laughs> Completely agree. That, that reminds me of, um, I think it was an interview with Whoopi Goldberg who was asked like, oh, do you ever want to get married? And literally the headline of that interview was, I don't want someone in my house. <laughs> Just a very legitimate reason. Very, very legit. 
as someone who has a long-term partner who we don't live together, I can appreciate that so much because we're such independent people. And I like, I maybe one day, but I still have such a hard time envisioning. Now that I have lived alone, I have such a hard time envisioning somebody else in my space. But that could be a whole other topic. But yeah, iconic ants. We love to see it. <laughs> On the topic of living alone versus living with somebody, I, I absolutely love and adore when Aiden moves in with Carrie and she walks in and he just, hey, Pop-Tart, <laughs> how's, how's it been? What you been up to? I just thought. Oh. And she's like, can you just shut up? Yeah. And I, I feel that in my heart and soul. I feel like sometimes I, I, I love my partner. I'm happy with my partner, but sometimes like, I just don't want to talk. <laughs> so I feel Carrie so much in that episode. Agreed. Um, so we're talking about this today, and we're also super, super excited to introduce our first ever guest. So we have somebody else joining in on the conversation today, and her name is Neelam. So Neelam is a mixed media, visual, and embroidery artist, calligrapher, and is hello, curly. Wait, I can't do it. You can probably do it better than me. <laughs> hello, curly. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Um, so she's gonna, you want to come in and say hi, Neelam? Hello. Welcome. Hello, Curly. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you resonate with that moment so much? Oh, oh gosh. Well, yeah, I was trying to think of what my snazzy sex in the city line would be for my bio. And that one popped into my mind immediately because, um, I think I was re-watching the Sex and the City series with a friend at the time I was going through a really hard breakup and that whole speech of, you know, the way we were and, you know, the leading man chooses this plain girl, simple girl with, you know, straight hair and it couldn't work with uh, Katie because, you know, <laughs> she had, she was too complicated and she had wild curly hair. <laughs> I having curly hair, it just, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what happened in our breakup. He wanted simple, not complex, you know? It was just like, I was feeling very dramatic. I was young and I was like, hello, curly, he can't handle all of this. <laughs> That's amazing. And we're always so excited to meet other fans who are like just that have those same moments that we do, like those moments from the show that like resonate with us. Um, I think I am the straight haired girl. <laughs> I am the boring straight haired girl. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that because like, I've had short hair now for I, I can't even remember how long, but I remember watching that and being like, I, I think my hair has a bit of a curl to it. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> c -c -c curly too. Like, yeah, I'm wild and free. I can't be dead. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. <laughs> Because, you know, when you were like, yeah, like younger, you wanted that main character energy, right? That Carrie, like, yes, I don't know, like so fabulous love of your life kind of. And I want to be the one type of thing. And obviously, Carrie is so flawed in so many ways. But mm -hmm. it was a, a funny moment that I loved as a young girl. <laughs> and as well, I feel like so the reason we invited Neelam to be our first ever guest is because we were actually talking about this very particular topic. Well, to be fair, 
she was talking about this particular topic at a fire we were having amongst friends. And um, when a break in the conversation came, I just kind of said, as I always like to interject with my Sex in the City episode that's related, I was like, you know, there's a Sex in the City episode where, and Neelam just starts pounding on her chair, like literally <laughs> pounding with her fists a woman's right to shoes. A woman's right to <laughs> shoes. I knew I knew exactly what you were talking about. And I was like, I was already heated from the conversation that you had walked in on. And it's funny because that group of friends, when I told them you had asked me to guest on this podcast for this episode, A Woman's Right to Shoes, and I was like kind of telling them about it. They were like, yeah, you talk about that all the time. (laughs) Not just the episode, but the, you know, the meat and behind the episode. It's, It's just like something that comes up often for me and I get fiery about it, as you mentioned. Well, I mean, it's such an important topic, and I think that this is one that resonates with a lot of fans, especially, you know, 19 years later, as I mentioned. Um, But what is that? What is a woman's right to choose? Like, what does that mean for you? Oh, wow. Um, Well, so I think the reason it's my favorite episode of the series, like hands down. And I think what it is for me is it was that representation of appreciating that there is so much weight and value to different lifestyles, especially Carrie saying a single woman's lifestyle. And I think what I found so vindicating and like validating about the episode was it was showing that like other celebrations, other choices in life can be just as valuable, but yeah, you might have to fight for it, you know? And growing up, like I, I grew up in a very like religious household, culturally strict. There were very prescribed views on marriage and babies and that lifestyle. Like, I don't know, I've been to more weddings than I could possibly count in my lifetime. And um, yeah, I just think I always felt that, but then that episode gave words to it where it's like, Carrie counts how much money she has spent celebrating other people's life choices, especially we're talking marriage and babies here, right? How it's like, here I am, like with all this um, weight and money and pomp and circumstance celebrating you and your life choices. But as a single person, if you don't ever do those things, are you just shit out of luck? And it's so like limiting and devastating and it's just not okay. I just never, ever saw that for myself, especially, you know? And so I'm like, I think we need to give other things that same permission, that same weight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we have to ask you our question of the day as well, which is what is your you celebration? What is like (laughs) the celebration that you want to have? Totally. Okay. Well, yeah. So this is the thing that I get heated about where I'm like, I know it comes off as like, I'm like hating on people with marriage and babies. And that's not the case. I love a good celebration. Don't get me wrong. I just wish there were more opportunities, like societally permissible, like to, to give it that a level of celebration and worth, I guess, is what the word I'm looking for. So if it was for myself, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, but I think the one I always daydreamed about probably was, uh, cause I'm an artist, as you mentioned, 
I think I daydream a lot about the moment in the rom-com where um, the artist gets her big gallery night, you know, where it's like, you know, um, this cute little brick and mortar place maybe. And all my artworks are on the wall and I'm in a fabulous outfit and all my friends are there. And it's just like, you know, Charlotte's gallery kind of vibe. And there's like red stickers on the, on the prices beside the artworks. I don't know. There's something glittery about that, that I've always daydreamed about. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would absolutely be an occasion to celebrate like your work in an art gallery, like a big opening night. Yeah, I am fully here for that fantasy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's not, I shouldn't say fantasy. That is that is very possible. <laughs> yeah, I think I've had that on smaller scales and then wanted it to be this big moment and then feeling like other people weren't taking it seriously the way I wanted and almost being disappointed, you know, which is interesting to think about. I think there's something that, I mean, the the moment that, or I mean, there's many moments, but a moment in that episode that's so special is when Carrie sort of like decides to marry herself and like mm-hmm. she does like the registry. I know this, this sounds like I'm like so selfish. I'm like, give me gifts. <laughs> But there's something about that that sort of like elevates it to the to the same level as like a wedding, a bridal shower, baby shower, all those kinds of things. Because like you said, like we can add up all the money we've spent over the years celebrating our friends' achievements. And I'm in the same boat as you. I love celebrating my friends' weddings. And I don't really have any friends who have had babies yet, but, you know, I will be so stoked when they do. Um, but there's something that it doesn't have the same like fanfare. Like it's not, people will come, your friends will come. They want to support you, but it's not quite on the same level. Exactly. It's like the thing that really gets my goat is that the phrase of just like pisses me off is like, I feel like weddings are the only thing that people like really get it up for, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they're just this is a big deal. You spend money on this, you buy clothes for this, you travel for this, make sure you don't party too hard the night before, make sure you don't flake, make sure you congratulate the shit out of people with, with words and money and like slideshows and dancing and performance, you know, it's like a spectacle. And, and what I'm frustrated with continually is like, I just wish there were more societally permissible occasions that demanded that level of like, you know, you got your PhD, you got your first dog, you know, you bought your first apartment, like these things that you're like, well, I want to make a fucking huge deal about this and get other people to that level of excited, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's even a struggle to get people to help you move, (laughs) (laughs) let alone sell it. And then you have to have the housewarming party where you entertain everybody and you bring the the wine and the snacks and everything like we need bridesmaids for parties we need party maids we're still workshopping a title but I feel like we need to start enlisting our friends as people for our birthday parties and housewarming parties yes it's got to be like (laughs) like booth bitches you know (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, the maid association is very handmaids. Uh, 
connected. Yes. <laughs> well, you're right, though, because with a, maybe the main difference is like, I can put all that pomp and circumstance into my event, but I'm the one like pushing it and planning it and giving it that importance where I think we've been doing the wedding train for so long that other people know how to help and, and what their role is in being the yes man or being the planner, you know? Definitely. And you don't want to, you don't want to like alienate your friends and feel, or feel like you're being like too much or whatever, if you ask for help when really that's what your friends are for. And you are always there for their, <laughs> for their celebrations. Exactly. So. Have you ever like, this is a good question for both of you. Have you ever felt like judged by a friend or by a family member for life style choices you've made? I've definitely felt that judgment um, from family specifically, maybe, maybe from friends, but that doesn't stick out in my mind nearly as much as when a very close family member judges you for how you're choosing to live your life. And um, yeah, I, I am fortunate that I have never really felt a ton of pressure from people around me to live a certain way, but it has come out from time to time, the extreme judgment and disappointment for not doing things different. And yeah, it uh, really hurts. And uh, I'll, I'll speak specifically to tattoos. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that That is one that I encounter time and time again. And, you know, family, friends, like strangers on the street, like there's often a lot of opinions that people have when you choose to, to ink your body and you know put like giant tattoos small tattoos whatever it might be like I often encounter a lot of judgment um for making that decision for myself from other people Mm. it's so interesting that something that's like purely like it's so personal and it's purely you know it's an aesthetic or a meaningful choice on your behalf like it literally has nothing to do with other people and yet there's something about that. It's also like talking about dieting. It's like, or like what you t- choose to eat on a regular basis. It's like one of those things that people feel like they need to tell you <laughs> like their opinion and why they're right. And it's just like totally uncalled for and not necessary. It's your body. It's your choice. There's like really no need for you to say anything about it. <laughs> Totally. And like, I've been in situations where people driving in cars, like I'm on the street and then somebody is driving in a car and they'll just like scream out their window, like something about my tattoos or something like whether they love them, hate them, whatever the case might be. But yeah, it's just, it seems like, why do you care? <laughs> like, why, why do you care? And then also, why do you need to tell me about how you care? <laughs> Unless it's truly a compliment. Like, obviously, if somebody goes out of their way to say, I really love this, this is very cool, then I will accept compliments. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, that judgment, like, why do you, why do you feel the need to tell me? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, what about you, Nalem? Have you ever felt judged about your lifestyle choices? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, definitely. Like from all angles, I feel like I have always had that as like a (laughs) non-conventional 
I don't know, person in a very conventional environment, um, whether it's like a family is one thing, but I feel like friends is another. And I've gotten it in very similar and different ways at the same time, because like growing up, I felt like I, a lot of my friend network was the type that did like, you know, get into a partnership early on. And then they're still with that same partner. I, I have a lot of friends who got married quite young and, um, or even if they're not married, they're still with the same partner. And there's like this, uh, traditional, like I'm settling with down with this one partner, you know, and I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to have a kid kind of vibe. And then on the other side, like family side, it, like I said earlier, there was a lot of religion. There was a lot of cultural expectation on you to live this cookie cutter. Like, I mean, it, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like a prescribed path that I really diverged from in like so many zigzags. I can't even count. So it's a hard thing, not just externally, I feel the judgment, but internally, because when you are presented that from such a young age, like that, and that's what's, you know, quote unquote, normal. I think for me, it's a lot of internalized guilt and and shame at, at certain points. Actually, it makes me think of the single and fabulous exclamation point question mark, because for me, it's always been both, right? Because no one is ever 100% like, married and fabulous, single and fabulous 100% of the time, right? You're going to have doubts, you're going to have shitty people commenting on your lifestyle and questioning you. It's it's so much more complicated even than just the external judgments, you know? Shannon, I loved your opening line where you're like, I'm just the question mark that made me lol. Because um, yes, the, the question mark is hostile, I understand. But like, I've always loved it because it's like, I think there's a a feeling like you, if you are single, you have to kind of fight for it because you're maybe like not of the norm. So I have certainly felt this where I have to defend my lifestyle choices to people, um, which I shouldn't have to do. But when you're, for me, I should speak just for myself. Like I feel like so out of the norm compared to my extended family or compared to even a lot of my friends, um, where I just like had to defend my lifestyle choices all the time. Like I, I was like the first girl, woman, um, to move out of my parents' house, but not because of marriage. Like that was a very cultural, like, whoa. And like, yeah, just that's kind of been the story. And like, you know, as the first person, first woman to like move to a different city with not for the reason of marriage or school, cause that's the loophole that a lot of young women use cause school is now a loophole. But, <laughs> um, anyway, my point being that like, Later, now that I'm older, I feel more compassion for the exclamation point and question mark side by side, because I don't have to feel 100% fabulous all the time. Nobody does, because I think maybe I idealized what partnership is like or marriage is like, but actually I don't know any of my married friends who are fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody is fully exclamation mark. We all have a little question mark in us. I think so. But I I love what you said about like, you know, if you're single and I've definitely like I was single for a long, long time. And you kind of you feel that need, whether it comes from externally or internally, but you kind of feel like that weird need to defend yourself, which I I like that you said that because I've never really been able to put that into words. But you're like, 
oh, I'm like, I'm not seeing anyone, but I'm just focusing on me right now. Or like, I'm, you know, I'm too busy, like whatever you have to say. But if somebody's in a relationship, that's never expected. That's sort of like, <laughs> and like I said, this could be external or internal. Like maybe you're just saying it because you're feeling like the girls after that weird brunch where they talk about their fear of being alone, or maybe that person asking the question is looking at you with that expectant look in their eye, whatever the case may be, you still feel that sort of need to like defend your choice. Mm, totally. Which, yeah, I find so, so interesting and sad. Like you really shouldn't have to. No, you shouldn't, but it's interesting where that awkward feeling comes from external or internal, but it's there. I know we've all probably felt it. I certainly have. Yeah, I think like when when we look at, you know, what it means to be single or like single dumb as as the show refers to it mm -hmm. so often, I think we can we tend to see it as a liminal state. Like it's this period of transition. You're single because you maybe just came off a relationship or you're ready to start looking for a new one. But I feel like some of that need to defend comes from this view that like, oh, this isn't this isn't a state in and of itself. This is a transition period. So it's not enough for you to just like be happy and content to like be single and choose that for yourself. Um, I wonder if that plays into this like internalized sense of needing to defend that choice when it is, when it is a choice and you're not just like freshly dumped or, <laughs> or you're like really you're really on like tinder and bumble and hinge and okay cupid all at once like looking for someone um yeah yeah i don't know yeah it's a uh, transition i think we could all take a lesson from your aunt and my friend's aunt in just like they know what they want <laughs> and they ain't having somebody come in there and wreck it <laughs> I love like that. Um, I really resonate like iconic auntie vibe. Like that is like, probably what I see for myself because I've never really felt that like maternal pull. Um, but yeah, like I would love to bring that auntie like, oh yeah, you know, Neelam auntie, she's just like this fabulous artist and she travels the world and she like lives away. And like, I, like, I love that idea to also be that example for the young people in my life, like cousins and whomever who I didn't have that as an example. I like, you know, becoming an artist was not like an option when I was a child. I don't know how I've like figured it out somehow, <laughs> but it's nice to just like, I think we teach people how to see us, you know, like teach people how to treat us as well. And like, you can lead by just being and I don't know, sometimes when that I want to be defensive, maybe I am feeling a spark of shame for whatever reason. I try to remind myself that it's like, if I'm doubting myself, that teaches other people to doubt me too. So maybe I do feel a little sheepish about, you know, demanding that you celebrate my lifestyle every now and then, but I shouldn't, you know? I love that. That's an inspiration. It's like, yeah, like you said, like we shouldn't feel bad about asking our friends to celebrate our lives because that's what your friends are there for. And like, we all work hard for our achievements and we all work hard for what we think is important in our life. And I definitely feel like 
I've never felt like like a career person specifically. Like I, but I'm really proud of some of I could. That's a whole like other conversation. But I'm really proud of like some of my side projects, including this podcast, have been. Um, but I feel kind of like ashamed to talk about them in a way that's that comes off as pride. Mm. Whereas I know internally, I, it's something that I I work a lot on and I I spend a lot of time doing. But I know when I talk to other people, I'm like, oh, it's stupid, or like, oh, like you, you know, like it's it's kind of silly. Like nobody really watches us or whatever. Um, but internally, like, I know that that's something I'm like super proud of and I work really hard on. So I'm, there's like this kind of weird, like, it's that, I don't know if this is a Canadian thing, but it's like that self-deprecating sort of like humor almost. I don't know if that's kind of tied in. Maybe it's the, the whole, like, before you tell me the thing I'm doing is stupid, I'll say it's stupid first as like a protection tactic but it's it's sad right because you kind of diminish it from the get and it's like well I didn't mean to do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it totally it's it's that like that fear of them thinking it's stupid so you say it first or whatever like that um but yeah that's just kind of my own internalized fear (laughs) well I I really like that because you know just thinking about what accomplishments or milestones would I want to have celebrated in a really significant way? And the thing that comes to mind is like, yeah, my my own growth and my own, all of that hard, awful (laughs) work that I put into salvaging and repairing and recovering the relationship that I have with myself and like strengthening that and growing myself. Like I've been in so much work and, you know, sometimes like the person, the only person really that, that recognizes all of that work is, is yourself because you're, you're the person (laughs) you're with yourself all the time. Um, so yeah, just like sometimes I'll, I'll recognize like a a moment where I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I I'm learning, I'm growing. Like, this is, this is good. I'm, I'm changing for the better. Um, and I would just love to have someone else recognize that and celebrate that because it's so hard. It is so it's so hard to, to work on yourself and like have no one else like really see that work or acknowledge it or celebrate that. Um, yeah, I don't know. And like the only way that you really communicate that to with other people is, is by telling them about it. But you know, sometimes yeah. it'll just be so nice if people could just read my mind. Well, you're, you're asking, to, yeah, just to be seen, which is yeah. not a big ask. Cause I think you know, we're talking about this, right? A woman's right to shoes and what's deemed celebratory or momentous in one's life. And what uh, you can't, people can't see this. It's a podcast, but I'm nodding like (laughs) insanely to what you're saying. Cause that is such a crux of sex in the city. Like one's relationship with your oneself, right? Mm -hmm. Being single, whatever you want to call it. And you're right. You put so much work into yourself, hopefully, right? Not everyone does that self-work, but it is a lot of fucking work, like hours of your time, your trauma, your therapy dollars. Like that is a lot of stuff you're putting into yourself and to be seen for that. I don't know in whatever way, whether it's like a party or not, you know, it doesn't have to be a party, but you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You just, you, you want to be seen. And I get some of that too from, um, 
from this episode too, just like, I want to be seen, you know, for living my single life and choosing to buy really outrageously expensive shoes or going on vacation with myself. Like I want those things to be seen, whether they're, you know, buying a pair of shoes or something that, that is really hard to do. Like, yeah, Mm. go on vacation with yourself, live with yourself, like work on that relationship. (laughs) And it is. Yeah. Like in that episode too, like, she has that conversation with Miranda who very much validates her feelings and opinions, which is great. Um, and then Miranda's like, Oh, just like buy another pair of shoes or, or like, can you get the same pair of shoes? And she's like, it's not even about the shoes. It's like about the fact that my friend wasn't like, I was there for her in a moment that we were celebrating her and her accomplishments but she wasn't there for me. Like we didn't have that same sort of reciprocation. So I just think that it's so important to be able to acknowledge that as well. And it's not like we talk a lot or I talk a lot about like the gift registry and stuff, but (laughs) it's really just like about that acknowledgement. And, and especially in the episode, like, I think we've been really lovely talking about acknowledgement and, and being seen and what, and what your friends are for, et cetera. But like in the episode, like she shames her, she outright mm-hmm. shames her. I like, I never, I've watched this episode a million times and I'll never get over that. Like the, she had to come for her. It was, it was mm-hmm. that, that really stuck with me because I think that's our worst fear, right? When we get those judgments from our family or friends, it's like, um, yeah, that Carrie really had that thrown at her face, that your lifestyle is frivolous and not serious, I guess. And I hate that because it's not, and no one else gets to deem what's valuable to you about your life, right? It's just, I think also, yeah, when Carrie does register for the Manolos and handles that situation, I just, it's vindicating. I love how she handles the situation. Um, because she's like, okay, you're not going to take me seriously unless I do your prescribed registry and event invitation sent in the mail. I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. I love that Kira really brought that question mark, the single and fabulous question mark. And then Carrie brought back the exclamation mark. She was Mm. like, you know what? I am single and fabulous and I deserve this as a gift. She wasn't asking for that much. I think that if somebody steals your shoes from your friend's house, like, I'm sorry, but your friend should pay for that. Well, that's what Miranda says. Legally, she owes her for, for the stolen shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Just true. the law. <laughs> Bring in the lawyer. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Um, I also like, so the other episode that I brought up with this topic, when Miranda buys her first apartment, I don't know what it was about this particular moment because I haven't had the same moment. I don't own my house. I don't know if I'll ever own property. Um, But I think it really was just like the fact that she was, you know, buying her own place, doing the work, signing her papers. She is a incredibly hard worker with a good job. She, you know, obviously is self-sustaining and takes care of herself. Um, But just because she doesn't have a partner, there's no man in her life, everybody's like, why are you buying an apartment? And I think there's something kind of odd about like having those goals all kind of tie neatly into a box. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like, 
it's almost like the trifecta of like house marriage kids. And it seems like they all kind of come as a bundle, but that's not necessarily the case. And like, you know, Miranda is shamed by her lawyer, especially. And, and not only is like, he says like, Oh, where's your partner? Where's your boyfriend or your husband? And she says, Oh no, I'm single. And, and he's like, Oh, is your daddy giving you the down payment? It's like, it's so condescending and, and really sexist, of course, but it's, it's hard to see self-sustaining people and self-sustaining women, especially as sort of, um, not being able to stand on their own, but, you know, not being able to have these same milestones in other orders. Or sometimes, you know, women will have children without a partner and all this kind of stuff. And it has nothing to do with whether you're a bad mother or whether you're a bad homeowner or whatever. It's just like people have certain things that they want and they don't necessarily fall within the whatever people expect of you. And I love like I, it's so true because I love that episode for Miranda. Like shows her strength so much, right? Because you can see her being like she's not having it when she's like, "No, it's just me. It's just me." Like he keeps being like, "Oh, is your dad gonna pay for that? Are you married?" You know, and she's not having any of it. And I love seeing that armor and the way she like holds herself in that strength. That's why you know we love Miranda in that, but. I love that the episode shows the fear also and the softness of like, she chokes and she's like, I could have died. I would have died. My cat would have eaten my face. And my best friend screens her calls. Like who is going to be there for me when the chips are down? You know, it's, it's like so, um, heart, not heartwarming, but like tender to see. I like, I love that they showed both sides and that doesn't take away from how strong Miranda is in her in her independence, in her feminism, what have you. And the other thing I was going to say too, from what you said, Emma, was like, um, all of these, the, the, the milestones and the bundle, like marriage, babies, property, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, so much of it is like, especially as a single woman, your arrival and whether people see you or celebrate you and acknowledge you is attached to a man attached to your progeny like you know like the birth from your loins like and that's so like limiting and not acceptable anymore really if you don't want that right like why is your visibility as a human as a woman in relation to this this man in your life or the children you bear it's not acceptable I'm getting I'm gonna bang the sides (laughs) of my chair again (laughs) yeah that that kind of reminds me actually of the second movie Uh, which I almost wish that they could redo the second movie, except don't just, just let it lie. It's had its its time. Um, But in the first part of the movie, Carrie's actually exploring marriage in kind of an interesting way in that she, she's exploring it in a way that, um, you know, she's not following the traditional expectation of marriage, which is to get married and have kids and both live in the same apartment. And so she kind of flirts with like what, how does that look for me and how can I make my own rules? And I just wish that they would have focused on that conversation rather than go to Abu Dhabi and like that whole mess. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, she also got some judgment. I remember from 
the wedding of Sanford and Anthony, um, where somebody was asking like, oh, you don't want to have kids? Like, and it, that was, uh, there was that judgment that she was facing for choosing, for choosing not to do that. Um, and it makes me think of that, that article title, like single and fabulous, like question mark, well, married and fabulous question mark. I think Mm -hmm. those judgments, um, continue to, to follow, even if, even if you do find someone, there are still those choices that somebody might not, might not, or choose not to make, I should say, that still, yeah, are confounding for, for some people, or they don't understand them. Yeah, I think there's like this sort of vision that we're fed, or this sort of like idea that we're fed that And I think the word settled is used so frequently. It's like the idea that you find a partner, you achieve these things, whatever, and then everything's fine. Yeah, I'll never forget those words that my mom said to me. She said, you never really know, Um, which is a little scary, (laughs) but I also find it a little bit comforting in the fact that like, you know, you pursue all these things, you go to school, you have a job, you get married, you have kids, like you do all the things. But you're kind of always going to have those thoughts like, well, what if I did this? What if I went to school? What if I went to Berlin for a year? What if I studied in Japan? Like, you know, at least for me, I know I will always have those thoughts and continue to have those thoughts. Um, But there is something sort of like, no matter what your decision is. And it's it's the matter of that question mark. It's like, you know, no matter if you're single or partnered or whatever, there's still always, and these moments we see throughout the series, there's still sort of those moments of vulnerability, not weakness, moments of vulnerability that we have, that we question our own decisions. I mean, you even see it like Samantha has a few of her own when she gets really sick and she says, I need a man and like, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And it's so off kilter for Samantha. Like it's so not who she is normally as a person, but you know, we all have those moments where we question our own decisions, where we question what we want. And that doesn't change who we are. That's just part of being human. I actually find a lot of reassurance in your mom's <laughs> advice. You never really know. Amazing. I, I don't have to have it figured out. That's great. I feel. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> how I've taken it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to sit back and not <laughs> <laughs> and be satisfied with my choices then. <laughs> <laughs> Neelam, what other celebrations would you love to have? Or what other like milestones would you love to celebrate? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there, like I was saying around the woman's right to shoes episode is, it's not that I want to eliminate celebrations of marriage and babies. It's that I want more because I feel like that brings the joy that brings the we all get together like community and we celebrate, we, we have a tradition, you know, it's weddings were something we gave importance to, right? So we can give weight and importance to whatever we wish, which I think is 
really special. I like grew up with a lot of like, you know, culture and, and religion. And I moved away from that, but I haven't lost that desire to give traditions weight, just like my own version of that. So I am a big like I'm big on celebrating people's birthdays. I'll like make a big deal of my own birthday, especially growing up. Like we didn't celebrate like Christian or Western holidays. So like you had to find the joy in other. I mean, I did anyway. I was like, everybody's birthday is the biggest fucking deal in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even the little things and um, an example that comes to mind, maybe for some bigger ones is like, I remember when my, my sister got accepted to her PhD program and I was dead set. I was like, when you get your PhD, which is a like seven year plus commitment, I'll have, you know, <laughs> is uh, we're going to have, I'm going to throw you the hugest party with like a gift registry and black tie. And there's going to be speeches about why we're so proud of you. <laughs> like the whole nine yards. And um yeah, another one that comes to mind is um, my childhood best friend and I, I think we were about, I don't know, early 20s when this happened. But we were shopping together and uh, we found these like long white lace dresses that were just fabulous, but kind of like, where would you ever wear such a thing? And I have this picture of the two of us in the change room mirror, like wearing these long white gowns. And we came up with this idea that we should have a wedding to each other where, because we've been best friends, you know, since we were five years old and it's been the most enduring relationship of both our lives with the ups and the downs and the, I don't know if this is going to work and then getting closer and getting things get deeper and more meaningful. Like it's been that journey for both of us. And we're like, we need to have a wedding where we like, wear these dresses and the other funny thing was at the time we we're both in relationships and we were like we'll get our boyfriends to walk us down the aisle to each other and that we will marry each other and have like a slideshow from five years old to present of all our adventures together I love that so much and we you know we talk about obviously obviously we talk about sex in the city a lot <laughs> here <laughs> we're sorry we can't don't hate us don't hate us um but i think it's so important like we talk so much about how at least for me and i think for a lot of people like friendship is sort of the underlying theme of the show is that your relationship with your friends and your relationship with yourself like those are the number one relationships in your life or at least you know a top tier relationship in your life mm-hmm. or not sorry not a top tier the top tier uh best friend isn't a person it's a tier (laughs) exactly exactly so I think it's interesting and uh, I just want (laughs) there's like that one scene that everybody hates and I hated for a long time too in sex in the city where um Charlotte sells her engagement ring to give Carrie the down payment to her apartment And I, for a very long time, hated this scene. Many fans hate this scene. And there's a lot to be critical about in this episode. But something that actually on a separate podcast, Sentimental in the City, highly any Sex in the City fans, please give Sentimental in the City a listen. It is a fantastic podcast about the series. Um, But anyways, they sort of brought up the idea that 
that scene is written in a way that sounds like vows. And it sounds like Charlotte and Carrie are like saying vows to each other and sort of like locking in their friendship in a way, which may be a bit of a stretch, but it's, I, I think basically what I took from that is that it sort of elevated um, a close friendship or a top tier friendship to the level of marriage. It's like the importance of marriage. And like you said, with your friend who you've been through struggles with for 25 years and you've had those like, is it going to work moments? And like, you've been through all of that. And that's Mm -hmm. been a very like rich and real relationship in your life. And that totally deserves to be celebrated. Um, just as much, if not more so, than some guy you just met. Sorry. No. Okay, so this is what I so agree with you about. Like, you asked me in the pre-interview too, like, what? why did you love Sex and the City? And I was saying how, like, it's the friendships. It's the, I loved seeing this example of strong, deep relationships that weren't the norm of, like, romance and marriage and everything. And, you know, the, the regular route scare quotes and like um I you say that fans hated that scene I didn't know that um but like I always really loved that scene because it was scandalous right like people hated it because it's like why would you ever ask your friend you that's such a huge ask to ask of a friend and I never really got that I loved that there was a real life a real life well sex (laughs) in the city example of deeming being vulnerable really enough to ask your friend for money. Money is a sticky subject in any realm, but that their commitment and their um, endurance with each other as a long lasting relationship in their life, it makes more sense to me to rely on Charlotte than an Aiden or the Russian who are these liminal characters, right? Who just come and go from your life. And that's why like, you know, I don't think I was this teenager relating to these rich white women having sex in the city it was that I related to the friendships I was like well everyone can have a friend I don't know like sex in the city is terrible for representation for people of color so I didn't really see myself in that as like you know as a young woman of color watching sex in the city um but I saw myself in the friendships and the deepness that's possible there and with my with my childhood friend for like the example that I used I feel like that's the kind of thing I've always been searching for was like deep relationships of any kind, but like with Charlotte and Carrie in that episode, it's like, could, could you ask like when, like, again, when the chips are down, could you really ask for these huge commitment, maybe more like family or partnership type of asks, you know, like money or health or what have you. It's, I, like, I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, I I really appreciate like the, I've heard I'm hearing like money come up so so often like even talking about this idea of what milestones, what big celebrations do we ascribe cultural weight to? Do we ascribe like societal weight? And I hear like a lot of money like there's a lot of value like literal economic value attached to a big wedding or a baby shower and registering for for all of those gifts and I I love what you're saying about 
the show kind of like subverting and finding value in who you are from in things and how you live your life, what relationships you have, friendships, I should say, and just being yourself. Like there's so much value in that that isn't tied to whether or not you choose to get married or whether or not you choose to have a child. And those are valuable, wonderful things as well. But just like there's this huge discrepancy between how much economic value is placed on those things versus just choosing to be single and choosing to like really invest your time and love and energy in friendships and like develop those relationships or develop the relationship with yourself. Um, Yeah. It's like, it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting to think about like how like capitalism and like money is also just such a huge (laughs) influencing factor on like, I don't know, maybe how we view being single and like that internalized like sense of pressure that, that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Another thing I find so interesting is like, and I'm I'm just like coming to appreciate this episode and this scene like more and more um, as I talk about it and like rewatch it more and more. But one thing that's so interesting is often, you know, when people buy a house or buy an apartment or something, a, a huge chunk of money, this like sort of monetary value, as you're talking about, is like kind of slammed down and nobody asks any questions. Nobody's like, did this person pay for that? Did this person pay for that? Like it's, and if they did, it doesn't matter. Congratulations. You bought a house, but for some reason with this like relationship with Carrie and Charlotte, it's like, this is obvious. Like Carrie is going through a tough time and a true friend is there for you in tough times. And Charlotte takes this, this, piece of her that's not serving her and she turns it into something beautiful and gives that to Carrie Mm -hmm. and while I agree in most situations you probably shouldn't lend your friend a bunch of money but it's (laughs) but it's just like anything else it's like you know you're gonna face tough times in your life and you're going to face tough times with your friends and like you know you're gonna have these moments in your life but the whole end all be all in my opinion is that the people I don't know if I quite know where I'm going with this but like the end all be all is like in the end like those are the people that are there for you and I love what you said about like it makes sense that she would rely on like a Charlotte rather than you know Aiden or somebody like that as sort of a one even big offers to cut the check which is bad news bears but You know, it's to depend on somebody with the understanding that this is something that could complicate our friendship um, and could be messy, but I love you so much and we are going to figure this out. I think that that is what brings it to those, to that level of marriage. It's for better, for worse. Like we are here for each other. It isn't like, like a taboo subject I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for but like it brings into question a a new level as you were saying right like a different level of seriousness even around money like I know a lot of um, people will have again prescribed traditions around money and and maybe like where I'm the the example I'm thinking of here with what you're talking about is um, with marriage right like is it traditional that the bride's 
parents would help with like paying for that, you know? And I know like that's kind of a, a vibe that I grew up with, right? Where it's like you get married and there's like a lot, there's a lot of money involved. I don't understand. I, I was a kid. I didn't understand it fully. Um, and I remember asking my parents and my family, I'm like, well, so what happens if I don't get married? Um, and that money you've set aside for the day I get married, like what happens to that? And they were like, oh, well, like nothing. I'm like, I don't get it. And I was like this little kid just like gobsmacked and mad at them. And like, they don't, my parents do not believe this anymore. But at the time they had more traditional views, right? About like what my life was going to look like. And I'm like, but what if I want to like put a down payment on a house? What if I want to start my life, like my business were like, I want you to be just as proud of me for those things, you know, and help me maybe in those ways, because I don't want to just accept that I'd be shit out of luck if I didn't get married. That is like, I refuse to accept that. <laughs> and yeah, like I, to be kind to my parents, that's not their viewpoint anymore, but um, it's a common thing in my community. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, yeah. And like we were kind of talking about earlier, like it is sort of an internalized and externalized expectation of how your kid's going to grow up. Like, I feel like for a lot of parents, that's like what they see. And a lot of parents have that sort of like, here's your wedding money. And it's like, yeah. but I have other things I wanted to. Or yeah, can I choose? <laughs> yeah, like, why can't you just like set aside like 10 grand just to like put towards your business? Or, like, you know, like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a wedding fund. <laughs> Yeah, truly. One thing it was around the level of relying on, like which relationships we rely on, I guess is what I was thinking about. And I think from a very young age, it, it never really made sense to me. Okay, bear with me. I know this might sound totally weird, but it never made sense to me that you live a whole life, you grow up with like you know, you're a child, you're super close with your family, maybe you make amazing lifelong friends or like long-term friends. I don't know how to, you would want to call them. And then later in your adulthood, like you meet this person and they become your whole life. Like I always had a really hard time imagining, it felt like magic to me, you know, it's like that happens maybe, but for other people. And when it does happen, how could you trust them enough? to like build a life with, combine finances, maybe bear children, like own property, like these huge, huge life, life milestones. And again, bear with me, maybe I sound ridiculous and everyone's like, well, Neelam, that's very normal. But it never felt quote unquote normal to me. It seemed batshit crazy, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> like I grew up as someone who's really tight knit with my, my family and you know, you're taught that community matters a lot. And, um, yeah, I just, I have these like diary entries from when I was a child where I was like, I don't understand the hierarchy where it's like your significant other is at the top. And again, like a rant about why significant other is a very confusing term because it's like, I have a lot of significant people in my life. And then, yeah, your significant other is supposed to be at the top and then your family's below and your friends are below that. And I would come up again and again, maybe certain like, certainly like fights with friends or breakups with friends where... I've been told like, you want too much, like friendships aren't about being there for you all the time or friendships aren't about, like you rely on me too much. And that 
it was like these massive heartbreaks throughout my life with where I wanted more from a friend or I gave more of myself to a friend than they wanted with me. Similar to any relationship or any breakup, I have been just as on the wrong page or felt foolish, you know, or felt like I asked too much and maybe I couldn't find what I was looking for. And the diary entries would then have this, I wish it could be just like a plane, an even plane where you have this romantic partner and your friends are just as important. Your family's just as important. I know it's very idealistic. I might, some people have called me naive, but I really don't think I'm that wrong, at least for my life and what I really value as important that I do. I just, I always joke with my friends, like some partner's going to come along maybe one day because I'm single right now. And maybe I'll find this partner and I'll be like, I'll have a hard time giving them my loyalty, you know? Cause I'm like, listen, you took your sweet ass time. <laughs> my life Whereas these women and these friends have been here forever. You know, it's just, it, it there's something about the system that I, I call a bit of <laughs> that's bullshit. And you know it. <laughs> oh my God. Also such a good moment. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. Another moment I think about in the series is like at the or at the end of the first movie, when they get married, you know, Big and Carrie get married and they have their little small celebration at City Hall or whatever. And it's nice and yada, yada, yada. But then Big, like, it's kind of a cheesy moment, but like swings open the door and it's like, I knew you'd miss the girls. So here they are. But it's just like that sort of like understanding that these moments in your life and these celebrations in your life aren't just tied down to one person. Like it's like you said, like it's about your community and your family and your friends and these relationships that you've worked on for so long. Like these are the moments that add up and these are the moments that matter. hundred percent. Yeah. When that, that reminds me of um, when Carrie calls the girls, her family and that episode where she's dating that guy with uh, the really great family. And she kind of refers to her, her friends as her chosen family. And that was always so, that always stuck out to me. And I think as, as I get older, um, it's so, it's so much more impactful. And I really, I really get the weight of that. Like your friends can be, they, they can be your family. They're like that important. They're that like top tier on the same plane. Um, and I found that like a really special, like rich part of the, of the friendships in the show. Like they, they weren't just one and done friends. They, they were family. Like they were that close. They were family. They were each other's soulmates, each other's like significant others. Um, and I think that that is a really admirable quality um, that, yeah, just always, always really resonated with me. And, and I just think of, I feel like I've gone through <laughs> a relationship like with a very juvenile perspective of like, yes, this person is now like the most important person in my life. And I really felt the, the repercussions of that when that ended, I was like, fuck, like I really didn't take care of my friendships, like at the same time. And that was, that was such a valuable lesson of like, this person cannot, you cannot give like everything you have to this person. You have to like, you have to balance it out. So I love that visual of the line. Like every, <laughs> everybody's on the same line because it just, it makes it like fair and equal and like nobody is more important than 
-hmm. than anyone else. And that you have to, like friendships or any other relationship that takes work, you know, mm -hmm. and it's um, something to be nurtured. Like I'm, I've had so many scenarios where f my friendships have disappeared or dwindled when they got a partner. And I, it's a very sore spot for me because I'm like, listen, I'm not just a stepping stone until you find someone better or some your, your forever guy or whatever, whomever. It's not like that. And I, I really took issue with it with some of my, you know, friends that maybe aren't in my life anymore, but some friends who are in my life where we we've gone over that hump of like, listen, this is important. If you, if you want me in your life, it's a two way street, right? Like it's gotta be like, I've gotta be important to you and you, you are very important to me and I'm going to show that with, for the people, again, the tears, I don't do that for every acquaintance in my life. That's a lot of work, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine? But it, it's so true. It's like all these relationships to me, like, I think obviously we're all in agreement, like deserve to be on the same plane. And even if that plane sort of like shifts at times to time as life right. and relationships do, I think that those relationships deserve to be celebrated as well. That's why I love so much your story about like having a wedding with your best friend since childhood, because these are the sorts of relationships that we stick with for life. And even though we may never really know, as my mom says, yeah. <laughs> like we, we can find that sort of comfort and we can find that solidarity um, in our relationships. And like I said, that deserves to be celebrated. Agreed. Because truly, if like the only way you could get to those things by those things I mean like deep connection deep commitment maybe like partnership or traveling or owning property or having children if that's the only one way you could get it was this you know the again quote-unquote very normal way of marriage then babies then whatever it's too limiting right and we're I think from a woman's right to shoes and you know 19 years later as you said like there have been a lot of strides in that area, you know, where we can, what does Carrie say in the first movie? Like we can design our life, you know, we're two adults without children, like we can design our life. And I really like that because we can, we just have to give it that same legitimacy. I think even ourselves giving permission that, that this is a legitimate, beautiful life that I'm living. No shame, no internalized shame. <laughs> Gotta let it go. Yeah, exactly. Talk to your therapist about your internalized shame. <laughs> so the another celebration story that came up recently. And Shannon, I was really thinking of you with the moment of like, I want to feel seen, you know, um, when we talked earlier was, um, so I've been visiting my parents, uh, as I've told you to, and my sister is here as well. And I felt like as a younger person, like university days and whatnot, like that being an artist and uh, living the like weird, weird quote lifestyle that I'm living wasn't very supported. Um, from like examples I saw in my life representation or what my family approved of. None of, none of that really happened for my younger self, but that's changed a lot now. Like I have a really supportive immediate family. Like I could never ask for more. I feel very lucky. Um, 
and I'm, um, I was here and they know I was going for a massage. And when I got back from the appointment, um, they were all standing in the kitchen looking at me and I was like, wait, what's happening? And I was like coming in the door and the whole kitchen was like covered in balloons and streamers and they were all there. And I was like, what's happening? What's like, whose birthday is it? Like, I thought I had forgotten something. And this was literally just like on this visit a few days ago. And, um, they, they had all gotten together to just with my immediate family, like congratulate me on my starting my business, my, as an artist. And I, I literally couldn't handle it because it's not that they're not supportive. It was just that they planned this. They took this like little bit of time to organize and celebrate. And they gave me a little gift, like a gift certificate to the art store, which is like my ideal gift, by the way. And um, because I'm a, my love language is words of affirmation. And uh, my sister really knows that. It's taken her a long time to realize that that's my love language. And uh, so I guess she had, I came, she, they were like, you have to sit here and we're all sitting on this side of the table. And each one of them, one by one, had written a speech and they stood up and read out why they were like proud of me. And I have, I don't think, again, it's not, a $10,000, $40,000 wedding or whatever. But that moment, I'm never going to forget it. Like they, it just shows me that people can learn how to love you best and then show you. And I'll, I'm forever destroyed by it. It was, it was incredible. I'm destroyed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so sweet and incredible. I'm like, I'm just full of happiness for you. That sounds so incredible to experience. Well, thank you so much, Neela, for sharing your stories and your experience with us. Um, we love how much the show has resonated for you and our listeners and those around us. And we're so happy to have someone to chat with who loves the show just as much as us. I feel so seen. Thank you so <laughs> much for for chatting with us and yeah, just like sharing sharing your perspective and your love of the show. It was just so so wonderful to to have you on the pod and to to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both so much. It was a blast and yeah, like don't hate me. oh my gosh we could never um and i did want to mention too that earlier i said that neelam is a mixed media visual and embroidery artist she's amazing um i've bought some stuff from her i've even commissioned something from her now um so where can we find your art neelam yes great question Thanks for doing my PR. Um, <laughs> so my uh, my business name is Art is a Verb. You can best spot to find me is on Instagram uh, at underscore Art is a Verb. That's awesome. So for our listeners as well, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you feel so inclined, DM us a post-it note. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and speaking of Instagram. We're on Twitter now. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying my best with Twitter. So remember to follow us on Instagram at Twitter at Don't Hate Us Pod, and we'll see y'all next time. Yeah, see y'all.